Hello, my beautifully broken friends, and welcome to another Beautifully Broken podcast. I hope everyone is doing well this week. I'm doing well this week. I have found a new passion in life. Uh, get ready for it. My son, Joshua, is he started his own Twitch channel, and he streams his gaming that he does with his brothers and his cousins and anybody else that he decides to play with. But he's made me a moderator, which has changed not only my life, but his life, my life for the best, his life for the worst. So if you want to come on and, and watch me torture him and his cousins, his brothers, and, and whoever else wanders into his stream, check him out at jroh one on Twitch and come and help me torture my kids. It's a lot of fun. Have you ever run across that well-meaning person who just says the exact wrong thing to you, usually at the exact wrong time? Someone that has good intentions, who means to encourage, but ends up just kind of making you feel worse? Okay, this has happened in my life. A few months after Greg died, I was at a function where a well-meaning man was talking to me about my loss, and I was sincerely answering all his questions about how I was feeling, which already started to make me somewhat feel somewhat vulnerable. And then he threw out the scripture that I so did not want to hear. <laughs> it's the one that I avoid at all costs. Now, mind you, he has the whole entire Bible to quote any scripture that he could think of, but he went to the one passage in scripture that I have struggled so much with, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm one of those people who love to write my Bible. I even use highlighters and different colors to show different perspectives of scripture, like when God is directly speaking or when there's a promise from him. I even write dates in my Bible when certain passages hit me at that time in my life just so poignantly so that I can go back and remember how God talked to me during that time. But I have refused to underline this scripture in my Bible. It's the one thing I continue to fight God on. Do I in my heart know that God can use even the crappy stuff in my life for good? Yes. Do I like it? <laughs> no. So when this gentleman quoted that scripture to me, resentment, I could feel it start to bubble up in my heart. Like, how dare you tell me that losing the love of my life could in any way be good? How my children losing their father is a good thing. And as these thoughts start to bubble up in my mind, the worst thing, the absolute worst thing to me happened. Tears started to form in my eyes. Now, side note, you'd think since I did a whole blog and podcast post about 
Does God keep the snot that <laughs> I would be comfortable with my tears? I mean, one would think that. And for the most part, I, I do think I'm good with them. But I hate crying tears because I'm angry. I hate that my emotions are somehow connected to my tear ducts and that when the right nerve is struck, no matter how much I try looking at the ceiling or pressing my tongue to the roof of my mouth, look it up, it's a real thing and sometimes it works, or trying to will the freaking tears away, they still prick my eyes and my nose starts running. So after handling the situation poorly, I leave in a huff and I don't feel good about what he said to me or about how I reacted to him. But most of all, I'm back to being angry at God. Now, fast forward four years and here I am still trying to wrap my arms around that scripture. I have tried to wrestle with it and make it come under my control, wanting to share it for a women's conference one time that I was asked to speak at, and I finally gave up trying to make this freaking verse work for me. That scripture is like a burr under my saddle. No, wait, it's like a pee under my mattress. I put it off and I put it off, but no matter how hard I tried to ignore it, it just keeps popping up. However, God's love for us is such that he won't leave us in a hurting mess. If we allow him, he will bring understanding and conviction. Have you ever felt called to something? So growing up, I, I always knew I was called to be a mom. I mean, there was a brief period in college when I challenged my thinking, thinking that I could just be this fabulous career woman. Uh, but and that's fine if somebody's a fabulous career woman. But for me, I was just denying what I knew I'd been called to. I was meant to be a mom. And what do you think the biggest blessing in my life has been? Yep, it was the thing I was called to. I don't always enjoy being a mother, but I always love it. Even when it's difficult and messy. Even when I'm driving down the freeway and I know it's waiting for me at home. And I know that if I keep going, I can reach the ocean in five hours. But you know where I always end up? Not on the beaches, breathing in the salty, fresh air into my lungs, but back with my kids who, let's be honest, I would die for because I'm called to be their mother. And so even when things get tough and and we want to run from each other, we hang in there because the reward at the end is worth it. It's my calling. I can't just keep telling my kids now, like I'm, I'm just trying to live past them. Like I'm trying to get them out of my home and responsible adults just to get to the grandkids. Like I, I see my reward and it's coming and I can't wait. <laughs> I was recently watching a message that Greg preached on relationships and he was talking about ours and that even though it was good and amazing and fulfilling, it was hard. <laughs> he, he was so awesome. He, he was talking about me, that we had been married 17 years, and he had given me gifts ranging from flowers to diamonds to you know jewelry to vacations, but 
He had recently just gotten me an atlas for my birthday, and he's like, it's the best gift I've ever purchased for my wife. She's a nut, which is hilarious because he's not wrong. And also, just what a great reminder that that man got me. But our relationship, though it was amazing and good, it was it was hard. We We had our relational issues like everyone else. You know, just because we were in ministry didn't mean that God sprinkled some sort of magical pixie dust on us and we just had this perfect relationship. No, we're we're humans, we're messy. And we had things that we had to clean up from our relational mess. But he started talking about the fact that when both he and I were walking with God, and choosing to trust God's plan for our lives, that God somehow knits our hearts and minds closer together, that we have more things in common, and that we can agree on how God is moving us in the same direction in life. And then he moved on to talk about some of the harder things that happen during our marriage, like his disease. And he talked about the fact that we had agreed together that the pain of Greg's disease was a gift of God to us. This is what we both agreed on, that he he chose to allow this to come into our lives. It wasn't some random surprise that Greg got sick and he was going to die. I'm certainly not saying that God made Greg sick, but the fact that Greg got sick was not a surprise to him. Greg talked about how since we have been given this gift of pain in our lives, that we need to represent it as best as we can. He said, pain is a privilege. It's something he wants us to steward. If God has allowed pain in your life, you have a chance and an opportunity to say, I'm going to honor God with this. And I'm going to reflect God in this. Okay, let's go back to Romans. Can we be honest? We're all sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us this. And I know it's not popular in our culture to think there is anything such as sin, but look at us. What a mess this world is in. I don't know how anyone can deny the fact that we are sinful people living for our own pleasure. Those of us who read scripture know the exact moment that sin entered into the world. In the garden with Adam and Eve, the world we are living in now is was not God's original plan for us. He created us to live forever. But because sin entered our world, things had to change because God is without sin. He's perfect. He's holy. And now there's a barrier between us and God. But it was breached in the person of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead to bring us salvation. And if we accept him as our savior, he is our covering. No longer does God see our sin because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He paid for our sins. But there is a submission that we have to make. We have to bend the knee to Christ and allow him to forgive us and to become the Lord of our lives. And it all starts with trusting him. 
Now, I've trusted Jesus for my salvation, but sometimes I struggle to trust him with the circumstances of my life. The day-to-day boring routine of my life is sometimes hard because I like to be in control. I think if we're honest, we all have a little bit of that within us. We like to be in control. And you'll find, my husband always said this too, whenever there is a situation where there is strife and there's some some people battling it out, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always control. And he's not wrong about that. But I think the same thing goes with my relationship with Christ. That when there's an issue with it, and usually because I'm battling to control my own life instead of trusting his plan for my life. And I know it's like so crazy. He died for me and he paid the price of my sin so I could get into heaven. And yet sometimes I doubt why certain things are allowed to happen in my life. Let's look at Romans 8, 18. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Okay, what is yet to be revealed to us? Heaven. So I need to step back a minute and see the bigger picture. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in this life that I forget that this life is the short life. What's waiting next for me is my eternal life. With that in mind, I only get one life to live. So how am I going to live it? Being angry and strong-arming God, the one who knows me best and loves me most? Or realizing that there must be a purpose to the suffering that was allowed to come into my life. And that possibly in that suffering, God can use my pain in some way. I don't think God is asking me to think that Greg's death was somehow good or even that God caused this disease in his life. I think that because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. But even in the bad, God can see the good and use it for good. My study Bible says that, quote, in his providence, God orchestrates every event in life even suffering, temptation, and sin to accomplish both our temporal, this life, and our eternal benefit. When we focus on the bad things that are happening to us, like being quarantined for a million years and not seeing our friends and family or feeling spiritually dry, not being able to go to church, not being able to do the things we normally love to do. When we focus on this life, we're forgetting to see the bigger picture. Paul is reminding us that that to consider these sufferings of this time, it's not it's not even comparison to the joys of what waits ahead of us. Ah I wish I could drill this into my brain. I say it over and over again. Why? why? Why can't you just think about heaven? Why can't you just think about what is to come? Because it's not really reality, is it? 
we wake up every morning and well, somehow we run into the news every day and our kids have their own problems and we have coworker problems and we have other issues in our life. My house is falling apart. My puppies are eating the entire thing. Like this is reality. This is how we deal with day to day. It's the suffering. And yet to be able to take a step back when the worry and anxiety and the frustration, the anger that comes into my life to step back and say, you know what, Lori, you don't have to sweat about this stuff. First of all, God says he's going to take care of you. He's going to meet all your needs and he's not let you down so far. But also to think about the eternal. I wish I could just think always about the eternal and to keep reminding myself that this is temporary. This is just for a time, for such a time as now. And am I going to let this dark period of my life destroy me? Or am I going to allow it to make me stronger so that I can help myself, I can help my children, and I can help others with how God has helped me to walk through it? You know the old salesman kiss approach to selling things, the keep it simple stupid? (laughs) Yeah, that's worked really well in my life because my life in some ways has been so overwhelming that I have to remind myself to just keep it simple stupid. I have a goal, and my ultimate goal is to be more like Jesus. (laughs) He's my hero, and he's my savior, and I've seen him be trustworthy in the small areas of my life and in the large areas of my life. He's called me to be his child and to be a mother to my own children and to steward in my life the things he allows into it so that I can show my kids how to do the same thing in their own lives when bad things happen. Because this is our world that we live in. Bad things are going to happen. I'm here to tell you that he can take my brokenness and use it for the good in my life and in others. And you can trust him with your brokenness that he will take what is bad and use it for good. Let me pray for you, friends. Lord, help us to trust you with the good and the bad in our lives, knowing that you can make the impossible happen. You can work all things together for the good, even with our beautifully broken lives.